0: Tracks from abroad.
1: Tracks from abroad.
0: Tracks from abroad.
1: Tracks from abroad.
2: You are now listening to Tracks from Abroad. Hello and welcome to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Jesse McDougal, and I'm here today recording the 38th episode of the show and it's the second time that we have gone to Ukraine. Today we've got a really packed show. We've got two guests. First of all, Rick Paladwar of Harthouse House Photo Club and Video Club. We also have Alex. He's a returning guest, a U of T student who was on our previous show on Ukraine. And Alex suggested two bands for me that I should also interview. Luckily, I was able to interview them both. First of all, we have Zepovid. Zepovid played that first track that you heard at the top of the show what that song is called, I do not know because I don't speak Ukrainian. The next song is, excuse me, the next band interview is Halopzimista. Both of those are coming up at the end of the show. First, we're gonna hear Rick and Alex. And if you wanna know the track listings for this episode, please visit tfa.radio on Instagram, where you can get linked to our Spotify track listings. Uh, we also have the whole archive of the show on Spotify and on Mixcloud. Without further ado, let's get into my interview with Rick and Alex. And Alex, we're talking all about the Ukrainian band Daka Braka. And uh, just a heads up, we had some microphone issues, so you may hear a difference in the quality. But I assure you, in terms of the conversation, the quality is top notch. Here's my interview with Alex and Rick on Tracks from Abroad. First of all, we have Alex returning to the show. Alex, just to my left, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Good afternoon. My name is Alex. Um, I'm a, well, finished first year. I'm going into second year student here at the University of Toronto. I'm studying European affairs. That's my major. And um, I'm Ukrainian and I'm very passionate about my country. I know right now there's a war in Ukraine, so if there's any time to be proud to be Ukrainian, the time is now.
2: Fantastic. We also have another guest, which is Rick. Rick, go ahead and say hi. Uh,
3: my name is Rick Paladour, and I work here at Hart House. It's one of the reasons I know Jesse and uh, my grandparents on my dad's side were from Ukraine. And I talked myself onto this show because I wanted to come on and uh, say a few things.
2: Well, Rick, I feel like I relate to you there because I had to be very persistent to get this show on the radio. And you had to be persistent to come on my show. So I'm in good company there. Well, today we're going to be talking about the band. It's called Daka Braka. And uh, could I get a pronunciation on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like Daka Braka.
2: Okay, Daka Braka. Interesting. Well, uh, we have Rick, of course, on the show today, and he's done some research. We're going to be learning a lot about that band. But first, I want to go to Alex. Alex, you just finished your first year at UFT, And how did that go for you? Very good. I am
1: glad I made the right choice to come to UFT. of T. Uh, obviously, uh, some of what people say is true. You know, at the beginning, it can be a little bit overwhelming. There's quite a lot of work you have to put in. But uh, if you put in the effort, then yeah, you reap rewards. And uh, that's all I have to say.
2: All right, so now let's go over to Rick. Rick, I'd like you to, uh, to introduce yourself a little bit and then talk about what you do at Harthouse.
3: House. Um, well, I just, you know, as part of my Ukrainian connection, I had the pleasure of going there about three years ago. Uh, and there's actually a Heart House connection to that. I work with all the music groups here at Heart House, and the film club and the camera club and, and some other things. And our orchestra went to Germany in late April of uh, 2019, and they brought me along as their stage manager. So wonderful work trip. They paid my airfare, my hotel, and I'm in Germany for eight days. And I thought, well, I'm here. I'm going to Ukraine because I'm so close. And all we knew about my grandfather was um, uh, there was a village of Dorenovka. And it was he escaped um, Ukraine in, under the cover of night because he was going to get drafted into the Austro-Hungarian Army. And it's a very common scenario where if you're a 17-year-old male uh, in the early 20th century, you might have been escaping the country. And so he didn't leave a paper trail. There was no anything. And But we did have uh, the village of Derenovka written down somewhere. And so when I was going to Ukraine, I contacted a guide, And uh, I said this might be the village and he might have just looked it up in the phone book and he went, yeah, that looks like the village. It's full of Paladors." And so he hooked me up with a genealogist uh, and then they went there and they went through what they call the metric books, which is the church books of marriage, death and birth. And he was able to trace my family back to uh, 1784 in this village. And the the name Palador seems to have originated from this village.
2: And when did your family first come to Canada?
3: Well, my grandfather came in around nineteen oh eight, I think. I don't have it in front of me, and my grandmother was from a different area and she came and her family it was one of those another very common story where Canadian government back then would bribe Ukrainians to come to Canada. They would offer them land or jobs. And so my grandmother's family, she was about ten years old. No, she was sixteen. Um, and they came over and they had all the paperwork and they went on the boat and it was all very above board and then obviously my grandmother and grandfather met here in canada in saskatchewan gotcha and we went kind of went from there but i had relatives in this village who they didn't know i existed they didn't know i i didn't know they existed and i was able to go there and meet them and it was wonderful
2: well of course on tracks from abroad we do a little bit of talking, but we're also interested in the music of the given country. And today Rick did a lot of research and he brought some music to the show, so I'm going to send it to Rick. Please tell us, Rick, about the music that we're going to hear today.
3: Um, yeah, I stumbled upon this band just kind of surfing around and um, I like to think it's just a coincidence that they're Ukrainian and I fell in love with them, because I think I would have fallen in love with them no matter what, and it just happens to be that I'm, I'm, I'm half Ukrainian. Um, they have the most amazing origins story to me, especially considering where they are today um, and where they started. There was, uh, it's three women and one man in the band. Um, the women had been singing professionally uh, since they were young, and more or less, they, they knew each other. They weren't necessarily always singing with each other, but they were certainly knew each other and were often singing together. And, and they were now in maybe in their early 20s, and they were studying ethnomusicology at university, and they were specializing in uh, Ukrainian folk songs. And then one day, for whatever reason, they were in uh, downtown Kiev, where they're from, and they went to the uh, the, the Kiev avant-garde theater called Doc uh, the DAK, uh, Center for Contemporary Performance, something like that, uh, Doc Dak, D-A-K-H. And they were there maybe to see a show, and they met the director of the theater, and he learned a little bit about their background. And he had a brainstorm right there on the spot and he said uh i'm doing a bunch of shakespeare plays coming up a whole cycle of shakespeare and i want you women on stage as part of the ensemble and i want you uh, to do ukrainian folk songs but he had two conditions one of them was don't just give me the standard folk song the way i've heard it before give it a twist turn it around do something very unusual surprise me was basically the message he gave them and then he also expected them to play musical instruments on stage as part of their performance. And they said they'd never played musical instruments. Their reaction was, well, that's impossible. We've never done that. We don't We do not do that. And I gather that he said, figure it out. And boy, did they figure it out. Um, he grabbed one of the men in his company, theater company, a gentleman by the name of Marco, and he said, Marco, join the band. And Marco was like, I don't play. I don't sing. I'm not a musician. And he just, I got a hunch, joined the band. He brought together Lightning in a Bottle. And this was in 2004. And um, you can find clips on YouTube of some of those early theater performances, just like video from the audience perspective for a minute or two, and you can see how they were part of these, these performances. But by 2005, I, f- I found a recording, a live concert recording, Um, They had 18 songs, 78 minutes of material to perform, and this was like roughly about a year after they'd been formed, and uh, they were starting from scratch in many ways, but within a year, they had 18 songs, uh, 78-minute concert that they could perform, and one of the reasons that it happened the way it did was they, they quickly became a percussion band. Uh, it's fairly easy to pick up percussion instruments and bang out a few rhythms. And then whether it was by design or by accident, I have no idea. The percussion instruments that they had available to them uh, in, in this theater environment were percussion instruments from all over the world. So they had, um, there's like a Japanese taiko to very large. They involved group performances on drums. You know these large deep drums. They had those. They had uh, tabla, which is a traditional South Asian um, instrument. Which you know from Pakistan, India, Nepal. They had a djembe, which is a goblet-shaped drum native to Mali. Um, a darbuka, which is another goblet drum. Um, widely used in African countries, a bougay, which is a friction drum. It's very, um, very much from that part of the world, but uh, especially Romania. And they had a didgeridoo and um, some other Slavic wind instruments, folk clarinets, they're called, and different things from the accordion family. So just, you know, here they are, they're formed, they're told they're going to play instruments on stage, which they've never done before. And they happened to have an array of percussion instruments that if they just used them faithfully, they were suddenly a world music band. You know, like there was almost no choice that they became, uh, the, there was a lot of different flavor from around the world and everything they did really from, from day one. And that might have been a very happy accident. Yeah. So let's, we're going to listen to a song from their very first album. The album is called Yahudki. And uh, the song is called Zadubi. And it's a short bit of percussion fun.
2: That sounds good. Let's get into that song by Daka Braka. This is Zadubi right here on Tracks from Abroad broadcasting right now from the Map Room Studio at CIUT 89.5. Welcome back to Tracks From Abroad. You just heard a song by Daka Braka. The track was called Zadubi. And Alex, I want to ask you, you understood the lyrics, and, and what did you know about this band previously, and what do you know about this song?
1: Well, um, in my own circle and in my own experiences, the band had been relatively uh, unheard of well, maybe not unheard of, just not, you know, very, very popular until maybe late 2018, 2019, and leading into the early stages of the pandemic. I remember um, we would hear quite a lot about the band. Um, their music would become quite popular uh, in those years. Um, but this particular song that we just heard, uh, this is my first time hearing it. Um, I can tell you that, uh, from what I know, the the translation of the title Zadube would mean like behind the oak trees. Um, and um, I wasn't Able to pick out most of the lyrics they were singing, but it seems to be a, a pretty bog standard Ukrainian folk song, but um, with with a bit of a twist. As as a, as it had been said earlier, that uh, they introduced some kind of new percussion instruments uh, from around the world. So obviously, some of the sounds that we heard there weren't you know traditional Ukrainian, and so that kind of mix of very traditional Ukrainian folk music with uh, new percussion instruments, new various instruments uh, from around the world, that that does yield a very interesting mix. And indeed, they're they're relatively original, well, not relatively, very original in in what they're doing in that
3: sense. Now, so that was in 2007, their first album. They'd been together for a couple of years, and in 2009, they they put out another album and it's got a lot of the same elements of that very first album like this very it's very much a continuation of it but they start to bring in more mashups they start to bring in more instruments and one of the things that is remarkable to me about this band so as i said they had no Uh, actual experience playing instruments when they started. So they picked up percussion because it was relatively easy, but they started bringing in the accordion, and they started to bring in uh, the piano, became a staple of the band. And I want to tell you the story of the cello, because you're going to hear in this next song that I'm going to recommend, you start to hear the cello featured, and it's become a staple of the band. Uh, Wonderful story, and it just gives you a bit of uh, insight into where they're coming from. They, they were asked to get together and start performing, and one of the women found a cello in the basement of the theater. And she said, well, I'll play this. And she'd never played it before. And so she tuned it up to the best of her ability, and it's become a staple of the band. And somewhere along the way, relatively soon, I don't know exactly when, somebody who knew the cello came across them and heard them. And, and this person said, oh, by the way, the cello is tuned all wrong. There's something, like, you've, it's it's wrong. So here's how you tune a cello. And this person tuned it up for them the way we would normally tune a cello, and the band listened to it, and they went, no, go back to the other tuning. And so they've been, they're sort of famous for playing this cello that is tuned very uniquely and very differently, but it's become sort of part of their sound. And it's just this attitude of just, we're going to grab things and we're going to bring them in and we're going to make things up. And there's a, there's there, many people call them sort of a punk band. Mm. And just because of this attitude, there's a DIY kind of aesthetic to the whole thing where we're just going to get rough and tumble around. But if we go to their their second album, which is called, uh, Namezhi, I'll let Alex help me with the, um, the pronunciation. And the song that I'm looking for is called Divka Marusechka.
1: Right, yeah. So the second album would be namaji Na which means on, 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 like, the border. Maja is kind of like border or boundary. So on the boundary. And Divka Mar- Marusechka would translate to, like, young girl
3: Maria. Okay. Well, let's check it out. You're going to hear the beginnings of the progression of this band as they head for the stratosphere.
2: That sounds good. Let's get into that track right here with Alex and Rick. We're all talking about Ukraine on Tracks from Abroad. Welcome back to tracks from abroad my name is jesse mcdougall and today we are in the map Room studio with alex and rick we're talking about ukraine and i want to go over to alex now alex when you were growing up did you listen to a lot of ukrainian folk music and i want to know what was the role of that in your family
1: um well folk music to ukraine is very important uh, we sing basically for any occasion um our happy birthday, uh, a lot of people have noticed, is, you know, like how the French and the Spanish have the same melody as we do, but with different lyrics. All of our happy birthday songs have completely different melodies than everyone would know. Mm. And um, we, we, we sing on Christmas, we carol a lot. Uh, for Easter, we have our Easter songs, we have our spring songs. Uh, basically, whenever Ukrainians get together, there are songs that we will um, always sing inevitably. Um, I, I play the accordion, so I bring that around with me, and that obviously gets things going. But even without any musical accompaniment, Uh, If you ever go to a Ukrainian camp, uh, every evening there's a campfire with songs. Um, you know uh, church communities they sing a lot there's a lot of liturgical music that goes around so um, you know in general folk music to Ukraine is incredibly important with dancing you know other kind of folk activities so music is always there and it's always important and I can't say that my parents um, made me listen to Ukrainian music in as much as it was always there in my life so um, I think to any Ukrainian um, you know that 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 is very conscious about their background uh, th- they'll always know ukrainian music and even if they don't know the lyrics they'll at least know the melodies so that's where ukrainian music serves a very important social uh, aspect in in the lives of ukrainians
3: and uh, something that alex had um, intimated earlier um when they started when they were doing what you know we just heard a few samples um the people in ukraine did not necessarily like them at all in fact some people thought they were it was like blasphemy Like they were taking these folk songs, some of them are thousands of years old, and they were taking them and twisting them and presenting them in a new way. And a lot of people, their first reaction was, don't do that, don't do that. And they persisted. And um, over time, they've actually become quite popular and very accepted within Ukrainian culture, but it took quite a while for that to happen. And then if we wanna talk about getting punky a little bit, if you go, so in 2010, they put out their third album and it's called Light and um they introduced a lot of english language songs in this album which is was unusual and i think what was happening is they started to break out a little bit and they started to play a lot of festivals first in europe and um uh and i think i don't know if they were trying to break into the english market to do like the name of the album it's light and there's songs on there that are there's a song called baby um, which is just an incredible song. The version on the album is not that good. If you go to the KEXP performance and you find the song Baby, it'll just blow your mind. It is just so out of this. It's fantastic. Um, but uh, the song that I want to play off the third album is called uh, Tjolki. Tjolki,
1: which uh, could translate to like women, but that's more of like a Russified word. Uh, yeah, That's That's like a Russian word that you get for just ladies, ladies kind of.
2: All right. Well, we're gonna get into that song right here on tracks from abroad. My name is Jesse McDougal. I'm joined by Alex and Rick talking about Ukraine. Back to tracks from abroad. We just heard another song from Ukraine, and Alex, we were talking about the the differences in language between Russian and Ukrainian. Was that song purely in Ukrainian, or was there a mixture?
1: Yeah, I picked up that uh, well, at least the part that I heard that there's a mix of Ukrainian and Russian. That's what's called Surzhik, which is a way of speaking that's prevalent in Central. And Eastern Ukraine uh, which incorporates I'd say 60% Ukrainian and 40% Russian uh, into speaking and that's the way that the song is sung
2: and do most people in Ukraine have the ability to speak Russian what is what is the exchange there
1: that's right that's right Um, I'd say every person born in Ukraine uh, who lives in Ukraine right now uh, has the ability to speak Russian because it was forced on them uh, during Soviet times my parents for example uh, most of their schooling was done in Russian and very little of it was done in Ukrainian and Ukrainian was obviously the language that was spoken at home and around the city but most schooling was done in Russian and if you wanted to go on to a higher education it would only be in Russian uh, so that was the way that the Ukrainian language was repressed during Soviet times but um, moving into today's world uh, a lot of that older mentality sticks around where you know if you want to move on to higher level things you go into Russian and I'd say that that stuck around until about 2014 when Russia started war in the east of Ukraine and now that Russia started a complete war against Ukraine that mentality is fizzling out very very, very, very quickly, and people have realized, wow, we can look at, towards the Western world with uh, England, Germany, Canada, America, so many more opportunities to make money and so many more opportunities to integrate into the Western world. So the Russian mentality is going away, and now people are embracing their own Ukrainian language.
2: Well, we have one more song coming up on this episode given by Rick, so I'm going to throw it to Rick. Rick, what is this next track?
3: their the most recent album is from the year 2020. It's called Alambari. Uh, they recorded it in s- Brazil for some strange reason. Um, they just found themselves down there as part of a tour, and they found themselves having some time off. And it was like, we've got a couple of weeks. What do we do? Well, let's record that next album we've been talking about. And then mixed it back in, at home in, in the Ukraine. And um, the song I want to play is called um, Tarok. Uh, it seems to translate as rattle. I'll get Alex's word on this. Torok. Yeah. Torok.
2: Well, once again, let's take a music break here on Tracks from Abroad. We are listening to Daka Braka talking about Ukraine. Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad. We just heard another song by Daka Bracha, and I want to ask you, Alex, what have you learned so far after listening to this music and hearing some of the explanations that Rick has researched?
1: Um, well, it's great to hear <clears throat> that um, people who uh, aren't uh, from Ukraine or people whose you know immediate family isn't from Ukraine, like in Rick's case, taking such an active role in uh, learning about not only Ukrainian culture, but about how Ukrainians have been um, sharing their culture around the world. In the case of Bracha. Uh, you know they've been touring like rick said they've been touring six months of the year was it yeah around north america and europe and i think it's just wonderful to hear that uh, people from outside uh in you know the immediate circle of ukraine think about ukraine being more than just you know a bunch of farmers that are next to russia which is the stereotype that we get sometimes and so i'm just uh, absolutely thrilled uh, to have learned so much about this band that i didn't know so much about and i'm absolutely thrilled that uh, ukraine is you know getting its fair share of attention uh, because we have wonderful musicians
2: and we have very talented people in our country and i'm glad that uh, it's being shared well guys i just want to give you an opportunity to add anything else any other thoughts about the music or about ukraine today
3: uh, i just want to thank you for having me on and let me tell the story of the band because i've been wanting to to tell this story i think they're just uh, remarkable and uh, especially just the traje- trajectory of their career and their development. And, um, um, and I learned a lot from Alex here today, so I was really glad to be on to get a uh, more broader understanding of things that are going on. Wonderful. And you um
1: yeah thanks a lot for having me on for the second time i'm i'm happy to be on the show as many times as needed um and uh, thank you jesse for um, organizing a show where the various cultures can come and share their story because you know ukraine me being biased uh, is a wonderful country that has so much to talk about but i'm sure that every culture and every nation has so many stories to tell that are similar to this and uh, I think this is the best way to hear about them.
2: Well, Rick and Alex, thank you very much for coming on my show and helping me make yet another episode of Tracks from Abroad. Thank Thank you. you.
1: Take care.
4: There's no bullet i
2: listening to tracks from abroad. On CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Jesse McDougall, and I want to thank Alex and Rick for coming on the show. Um, thank you very much for enduring that little microphone issue that made their voices a little loud. Uh, that is never going to happen again. In this next interview, we are talking to a musician. His name is Orist, and he is part of Hlopsy Zimista. This is a Ukrainian band right here in Toronto. And Alex uh, thankfully suggested that I reach out to these bands. It worked flawlessly, and I got a nice interview with them as well. All right, so here is Halopzimista. Zimista. Obviously, that last track was one of theirs. That song was called Bat Yar. Anyhow, let's get into my interview with Halopzimista Zimista right here on Tracks from Abroad. We're joined by Orist. Orist, how are you this morning?
0: I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on the show.
2: Absolutely. So you are part of a band and tell me a little bit about the band. Are you based in Toronto?
0: Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, we're a member, we're a band uh, with uh, six members, um, all born in Toronto, or at least the GTA, um, and uh, we're just the, you know, regular dudes, students, so we started back in around 2013 when uh, we just decided to get together and start jamming out and playing songs, it's one of those typical situations where we came together, one person brought an instrument, another brought an instrument, and uh, we started playing songs, and we realized that you know we all really enjoy playing music together. Um, playing the songs that we were growing up with, um, you know, with our parents singing to us when we were younger, and would start to play at events here and there. And we realized that okay, we can maybe get something going here, uh, more uh, more serious. And from that, we created the uh, band Kolpsis Mista with all of our members, um, and and uh, yeah, and it uh, the rest is history, really
2: nice now i'm sure as of late it's taken on a bit more importance as people are focusing on ukraine maybe doing benefit concerts so let's say in the past few months how has that been for your band
0: with everything that's going on we i I guess you can uh, kind of say this to the whole wider community things have slowed down we've taken this moment to uh kind of take on a role of helping out in any way possible um we've uh so we've slowed down we've slowed down a little bit kind of with respect to what is happening with the upcoming blur Festival, Ukrainian Bloor Festival that's been, um, we will be now kind of uh, performing over there and all the performances, not just ours really, all the performances are going to be in some way to support uh, Ukraine. Um, so that is really the main focus for us right now, it's not really about enjoying um, the moment uh, dancing um, having fun really this is more of a time to find ways to support people and we do it in any way uh, way possible in our situation as a band we do it through our music um, and we try to support that way and uh, what I tend to do sometimes I uh, see in our Spotify playlist uh, we have our music on there I see kind of the countries that our music is played from and yeah most a, a lot of our music is played in ukraine at this time in mm-hmm. the war and to me that is the most heartwarming thing uh possible uh knowing that there are people there fighting in the middle of a war to learn our, uh, our music and using our music as a way to possibly get away from the difficulties of their everyday life so i think that's the way that we try and kind of support uh ukraine right now um it's really about kind of whatever we can do to help out there.
2: Nice. And now I'd like to ask you about your ties to Ukraine. I wonder if you have any family there or, you know, when did your family move over to Canada?
0: My more direct uh, family came from Poland. Back, uh, back in the day, uh, my grandparents kind of lived in kind of the more border areas. Of, um, and they were there right up until their 20s and 30s, uh, at which point they decided to move to Canada in, in the 80s, around the early 1990s. Uh, and they moved to Toronto at that time. And it was here that I was born. They maintained the Ukrainian roots uh, right from the beginning. And the hmm. best way I can describe it is I went to school, grade one, not knowing English. I was just taught Ukrainian my whole life. So yeah. uh, it was always something that was in our household and maintained throughout.
2: Have you ever been to Ukraine or do you ever plan on returning to live
0: there? Okay. Yes. Yes. So I've been to Ukraine uh, twice Uh First time uh, I believe in um, actually it was 2012 when the Ukraine was hosting the Euro Cup, and I went to watch a Ukraine game over there. And I did travel around a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, so this was even before the war in uh, kind of started in 2014 when back when there was peacetime over there. So I've been there in 2012, and I went back. I believe it was in 2014. I uh, just do a little bit of more the country of my culture really, and it's it's one beautiful beautiful country
2: fantastic all right well orist from klopsis mista thank you very much for coming on tracks from abroad and hope you have a great day thank you very much appreciate it right now we are talking with sophia of the band zapovid sophia welcome to tracks from abroad
5: Thank you very much. Hello, everyone.
2: How long have you been a band?
5: So this band has actually been around for 11 plus years. However, I just joined the band this year. Um, They had some people leave and move on and the guys are very passionate. They wanted to keep going, uh, continue the legacy.
2: Now, so when you get up on stage, what does that feel like to to perform at this time in the world?
5: Honestly, it's a huge responsibility, but there's a lot of criticism going around uh, whether we should be performing, times are tough. Music is often associated with having fun and dancing and positivity. So every single time we perform, we do have that little bit of, not hesitation, but all of us pretty much know somebody on the front lines fighting. They all tell us that they listen to happy, uplifting songs, uh, you know. So we want to uplift our spirits because we have to be strong. We have to keep fighting. But at the same time, we don't want to forget the things that are happening. And so it's a huge to carry that message. Um, for anybody listening to us, like we have a lot of people who came from Ukraine because of the war who have lived through it. I have two really close friends who fled to Trump. So it's, it's always a very fine line between, you know, entertainment, the support, hearing the message, and then at the same time, also providing a level of comfort and security and support. So It's a huge responsibility, but nonetheless, uh, we absolutely love to perform. Still, it's something that we have to keep in mind and be responsible for.
2: Now, I'd also like to ask you about growing up in Ukraine. I read that um, you started singing from a very young age and, and you also produced a solo album.
5: Okay, how did you know that?
2: Well, I mean, you're Sofia from Zapovid. We have to know.
5: Growing up in Ukraine was absolutely amazing. I grew up in a village 24 kilometers away from Ternopil and my childhood was the best childhood I think anybody could ever have. Every day was an adventure. Um, We had a pretty large property and I just remember every single day waking up and being excited and I guess that's my creative personality. I would always think to myself, what would I like to do today? Or what am I gonna do? Um, it was truly an adventure. I was a very conscious child. So luckily I have all those memories living with me every day. Um, I started singing before I started talking. <laughs> Actually, um, my mother was a little bit concerned that I something may be wrong with me, <laughs> that I can't speak. Um, but I would, uh, sing and mumble, um, melodies and, and the words, uh, before I actually started speaking anything. So I've, I've honestly been singing ever since I could remember myself, but, uh, and then when I was six years old, also, uh, my parents sent me to be a part of this other, uh, vocal group out in the city. So it was more professional. We were working with like actual musicians. And I think that is my highlight of my childhood and my youthful singing career, because thanks to that experience, I did get a chance to record a CD, as you mentioned. Uh, So right before moving to Canada in 2006, um, I think it was my dad's idea. Uh, He said that, you know, we should record a CD. There's a lot of events and festivals and places to perform here. It would be, it, it helped me in really finding that that is my true purpose and that is something that you know when when god gives you a gift you should carry it out um so that is part of my mission here
2: well Sophia from zapovid thank you very much for coming onto tracks from abroad
5: thank you so much for having me
2: that was my interview with Sofia of the band Zapovid, preceded by an interview with Orest of the band Halopsimista. Both of them are based here in Toronto, making Ukrainian-Canadian music. And I want to again thank Alex and Rick for coming on the show a little bit earlier in the episode to talk about Ukraine. I hope today you learned something about Ukraine and about the very interesting band Daka Braka. That was some great research on Rick's part. But we're going to end the show with another song by Zapovid. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Jesse McDougall. We will be back next week with another show on Another Country. This is Tracks from Abroad.